0: Rolling. What's happening, y'all? Hi. Andy and Zach, A to Z, we're back at the Beer Works, East mm. Nashville Beer Works. Mm. I don't know if you can hear the radio, but there's a real kind of funky reggae version of Midnight Rider playing right now.
1: You should come to trivia with us sometime because you're really good at this old music stuff.
0: It's funny you mention that. <laughs> I rarely, I rarely do trivia. But I think the last time I did trivia was at uh, Jack Jackalope, I think, hmm. and it was I think well at least one one part of the trivia was uh, was music, and I was with a big group of people, and the question was or you know the prompt was this um, Aerosmith line. Hmm. from from some song and everybody was like oh it's um it's walk this way it's a line from walk this way or you know one of the you know obviously." what was, what was the line <sighs> i can't well so i can't remember right off the top of my head okay but i knew that they were wrong and i was the one i was the one guy in this whole big group of people and i was like i am pretty sure that is wrong what was the answer the answer was sweet emotion
1: Oh. It was
0: a line from Sweet Emotion. So it was Aerosmith. So it was Aerosmith. Okay. Yeah. So that's the thing is they were close, but I was like, mm, you guys are wrong. So it actually took a little bit of... Convincing? Well, I guess gumption on my part to Convincing. speak up and be like, hey, listen, I'm not I'm not even a huge Aerosmith fan like from the get-go, but I've listened to untold years of classic rock radio. And I'm pretty sure the song is Sweet Emotion. And everybody was like, hmm, who's this guy? (laughs) So I kind of, you know, I kind of went against the grain. And I was like, hey, I could be wrong, but I'm 99% sure. And it was. Oh, and I got some props and a free beer, and it was fun. Look at you going out on a limb. So all that to say, if you want me as a trivia partner, to be fair, I am probably useless for the vast majority of trivia questions, but I pull out a little zinger, a little gold star every now and then.
1: I'm usually there for arm candy and beer drinking. I'm not good at trivia. I just... here's, Here's why. I've never really been into most pop cultural things. Sure. Like most shows, whether from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, most TV shows, music, movies, I haven't seen it. Haven't heard it, haven't watched it. <laughs> I just don't like. It's not that I don't like music and I don't like movies and I don't like popular TV shows. I just, I, I'm learning, I guess, through my experience through trivia that there are a billion shows out there that everybody has seen and I have not, and a billion shows or TV or movies and songs, whatever. I'm like y'all. Now that said, the last time I did trivia, going back to the music thing. It was like an easy one. It was like the yeah, yeah, Mm yeahs. That was one that I knew. So you might get one or two answers out of me in a typical trivia night, which is why when I go into it, I'm like, I'm here for fun and beer drinking. And if I can chime in and contribute, then I will. I won't take any credit if we win. And we did a few weeks back. We actually did win. We got second place. We had a bunch of stickers and hats and T-shirts and shit. It was cool. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's on Monday nights at ML Rose on Charlotte.
0: So, oh, that's right, because you do this, and then you go... <clears> sometimes. I don't know if I'm going to do it tonight yeah. cause I'm
1: tired, but, uh, but yes. Cool.
0: But yeah, I'm not very good at trivia. Well, that makes two of us. Well, we should never be on a trivia team together. <laughs> Unless it's something highly specific. I mean, speaking of like TV shows and being blissfully unaware of most pop culture references, I'm largely the same way. But if it was like a Seinfeld night or A Simpsons Night. Never watched either. I could destroy. See, I've
1: never watched either of those shows.
0: But I have a deep knowledge, the, the number of television shows I have deep knowledge of, I could count on one hand.
1: That's fair, I'm probably the same.
0: Office, Office I've seen most episodes, but I am not, it trips me out how hardcore people are about The Office. Like our buddy Jesse Riley.
1: Everybody's hardcore about The Office. Last
0: I... last year, do you remember this? When we went to visit um, Jesse up in Denver, it was his birthday weekend. Mm-hmm. And remember, we walked into the house and Hillary had put up those birthday decorations.
1: Yes, from The Office. And
0: it was an Office reference. Right. And it totally went over my head. Same. Because it was literally, because the whole joke was it was shitty birthday decorations it was literally duct tape and black balloons Mm -hmm. and in in like uh you know time's new roman text happy birthday yeah on a banner and this is just goes to show how much of a stereotypical dude i think we both are i was just like Oh, that's nice. Same. <laughs> I was like, that's really
1: cool. Well, that's like nice. That. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. This is a great sign. Like, she
0: duct taped <laughs> black balloons to the, to the wall, and it it did not occur to me in the least that those were bad birthday decorations. Right. right.
1: I was just like, ah, okay. Or me, I was probably like, well, that, maybe black is all they had.
0: <laughs> right. And so so I told Hillary. We were Hillary, out of all the other colors. So I told Hillary. I was like, oh, that's, look, B. I told Hillary, I was like, oh, nice decorations. And she was like, oh, yeah, it's from The Office. And I was like, uh, okay. Cool. And then we watched the highlight, and I was like, okay, in context, I can see just how bad this looks. Right. But, yeah, it just goes to show.
1: I mean, I'm the same way. I've never watched The Office. And after a while, like, I don't want to be one of those curmudgeon people. Now my brother is much more of a curmudgeon than I am. He, like, will hard... He's seen The Office, though, which makes no sense to me. But, like... You know the movie Fight Club. Of course. Everybody has seen the movie Fight Club. My brother's like, "Ah, people talk about it too much. I've never seen it. (laughs) And I'm like, well, that's really unfortunate because it's a great movie. But at least read the book. At that point, I'm like, just read the book. Sure. You're not going to watch the movie fine. But read the book. Yeah. So anyway. He's
0: just one of these guys who, uh, if it's cool, he doesn't want to have anything to do with it. I guess. Or if it's popular. Same with
1: books. A lot of people like to read fiction. Like uh, the Lord of the Rings series, Harry Potter series. I don't know uh, what's the Twilight series. There's been a lot of very popular fiction books over the last thirty years. Well, Lord of the Rings goes way back. <laughs> Remind me, Lord of the Rings is probably probably sixties. Right. So, anyway, 50, the only fiction years. that I've read in the last like five years is Kervaniget. Mm. Really? And everything else I read is nonfiction. i I have personally very interesting subject matters that I like to read about. Everybody else doesn't give a shit. I'm very fascinated by the books I choose. Yeah. Can you name this artist? Hang on.
0: Look at that. I mean, I could venture a guess, but I don't really want to embarrass wanna, myself. Well, you could try. If I was to venture a guess, I'd say Leon Bridges.
1: No. Uh, the, but Leon Bridges did play a minute ago. Oh, okay. he, he inceptioned you because he was playing when he got. This is St. Paul and the Broken Bones. Oh, okay. I have seen them three times in concert. Look at you. I like it. Yeah, this is a good one. We played this one at our wedding. Speaking of mm. which, my wedding anniversary is coming up October 4th. Congratulations. Thank you. Number seven. I was about to guess seven or eight. Seven. So, we had a good run.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Oh, man, we got jokes.
0: Yep, yep, here's to the next seven.
1: Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we played this at our wedding. Oh, very cool. Yeah. My wife is, a, I like St. Paul and the Broken Bones. She's a much bigger fan than I am. Oh, really? I, I mean, I like that, but, like, I don't, I'm not like, oh, my God. Yeah. So.
0: You know, anyway. this, this particular style of music reminds me of... uh Sharon Jones and Dap Kings so if you like this I'm sure you would like so Sharon Jones passed away a couple years ago but uh, she was a you know one of the classic powerhouse soul singers and kind of had like a you know one of these like um, uh, horn section funky like backing bands and uh, I saw them open for Tedeschi Trucks Band way back when and that was a as you can imagine A really cool show And uh, I kept up with Her music for a few years And uh, She had uh, some sort of cancer And she passed away she, I, I think her story was is she got She got relatively well known Obviously late in her career Hmm um, And I think there's a documentary There's like a mini documentary Out about her But in any case All that to say If you like this kind of music Or if you're If Megan does um, you might dig into some old Sharon Jones.
1: Okay. Yeah. I'll take a look. Yeah. I'm kind of in a music funk right now, anyway. Mm. There's not really anything I want to listen to. Mm. On Friday night, I hung out with my neighbor Josh, and we were listening to like Power Man 5000 and Mudvayne and Static X. <laughs> this, this shit, we, like when we were teenagers and skateboarding, the kind oh, of stuff that yeah, we were listening right. to. And so it was very much a throwback last Friday. We were having a good time. Yeah. He also was quizzing me on musicians and songs, and I got them all. I see. Yeah. Yeah. We also found out that we both played clarinet.
0: Did you know that? You've told me that you played clarinet. I played
1: play. clarinet for four years. Wow.
0: And then I was in choir for two years. It's hard, is, it's hard to sing and play clarinet at the same time. <laughs> I managed.
1: <laughs> no... Nah, that's the only thing that disappoints me about having ever really pursued any more music. No, I'm not saying I was a great musician, but I spent six years doing music. Mm-hmm. So, And then I dabbled a little bit in guitar. I know you're a guitar player. I own a guitar and an amp. It's not strung, but I could string it. I, I own the strings. It's right next to it.
0: Dude, yeah, only one step left.
1: I know. So all that is to say, I kind of wish that I had kept up with music, and I just didn't. And, and then it's one of those things I keep looking at, it and I'm like, I should just... Either start playing it or sell it. But it's sitting out.
0: It's just a tease. You should string it up and we should record podcast music. We should have like an intro, like guitar duel, like sound effect.
1: Buddy, I can't play guitar. I'll teach you. I dabbled. I'll teach you. Okay. It'll be fun. It would be fun. I would like to play more guitar,
0: but here we are. Okay. Well, before we get too far off the rails, okay. sorry I've been 12 minutes, we're talking about s- Fitness! We're talking about fitness, I think. <laughs> I think. Welcome back to the Fitness Podcast. Uh, specifically, squats. So we thought that we would just kind of dive in to a particular topic since um, since we've been a little, a little rudderless the past, <laughs> the past few episodes, so we kind of wanted to hone in on a particular theme. So we figured we would, uh, yeah, we would talk about squats. So, squats. Andy, why? I, I guess let's let's really break it down. Start from the ground up. What is a squat? You know when you go to to the bathroom. I do know.
1: <laughs> when you sit down on the toilet and then and then later you get up from that toilet, that would be a squat.
0: So you play so. Sit down, play on your phone for eight minutes. And
1: <laughs> stand up. That would be a squat. Okay. Got it. Yeah.
0: Cool. So, so if you want to visualize, not everybody in the audience can visualize what I'm talking about. All right. So basically the act of sitting down or lower, lowering one's hips. Right. Yeah. Squat. Simple as that. Yeah. Cool.
1: I like to think of in the hips move almost like in an elevator kind of style.
0: Right. Up and down.
1: Up and down. Not side to side like, uh, like you're dancing. Or side to side, like a hinge.
0: Mm, like you're...
1: Front to back would be hinge, side to side would be dancing.
0: Ooh. <laughs> front to back could be dancing too, As, I mean, yeah. depending on how you dance. And front to
1: back could be some, you know, after hours
0: activity. Hey, but
1: we're talking about you know, ver- moving vertically. You
0: remember from uh, middle school dance, no front to back. Right. No front to back dance.
1: Right. So, squatting is where your hips are displaced vertically. Up and
0: down. So, you could give me some sort of pushback here. I, I kind of, like in the, in the workshop curriculum, I basically say that any lower body exercise can be categorized as either squat or hinge, or at least squat dominant or hinge dominant.
1: I would agree. Um, there are other coaches in our industry that... Um, I think sort of subdivide those out into, into different components, like an inline split squat or inline lunge. And lunge would probably imply locomotion or whatever. I don't really, I call it squat, deadlift, or hinge, single leg squat, single leg hinge. Yeah. M- more or less. Now, with some sweat, like if I'm coaching, with some tweaks and variations here and there, but for all intents and purposes, I find that everything is roughly a squat or a variation or a hinge or a variation. Yeah. I don't really like differentiate past that that much.
0: Right. So the way that I kind of think about it is a squat is anything where the exercise, the the goal of the exercise is depth of the hip
2: Mm -hmm. or
0: activation uh, or bend of the knee, generally to target glutes and quads and a hinge is anything where the goal is hip displacement horizontally so pushing the butt back in order to get hip flexion and hip extension with the general targeting goal being the glutes and hamstrings right now of course there's large overlap with all that stuff but i think it is important when you're doing any given exercise that maybe is outside of the pure squat or the pure deadlift, so like lunges, any sort of single leg work, it's kind of important to really think about like the difference between those two patterns. I agree. Yeah. So in any case, um, so squat. So why is squatting important?
1: Well, if I wanted to take this from like my 80-year-old client's perspective, when I first started working with him, he would often use, like, his like if he got out of a chair, he'd have to use his arms and, like, struggle to get out of a chair. Now he's 80. He's older. So, whatever. But one of the primary uh, movements that we work on, I'll see him tomorrow, one of the primary movements that we work on is a, I call it a counterbalance squat, where he either puts his hands out in front of him to counterbalance or has a small weight out in front of him to counterbalance, and he stands up off a of bench. And then sits back down to the bench, stands up again, and so on and so forth. So, for his purposes, being able to get out of a chair or off a bench without having to, like, struggle or, like, use his arms or have help. Yep. So, in terms of, like, activities of daily living, being able to get out of a chair and sit back down again and control it. Yep. So, and then I guess you could take it and run with it as far as, like, athletic abilities. You take over. All right. Sure. So, beyond that, the next...
0: Yeah, sure. So the, yeah, so the importance of daily living, I think, should not, should not go uh, unhighlighted, <laughs> if that's a word, um, but coming from somebody who is getting over a broken leg can't tell you how important, like, being able to use your legs, being able to squat with your legs is, like, just thinking about getting out of bed in the morning, obviously using the restroom, sitting down, standing up, going upstairs, these are all, you know, variations of like the squat pattern. Um, so obviously, for aging clients or for any client looking for longevity, the squat pattern and the squat strength is huge. Looking at more like let's say performance and uh, you know, maybe like strength and muscle gain. If we're looking at where the most muscle mass on our body lies, it's around the hips and the legs. Mm-hmm. So our quads, our hamstrings, our glutes. These are the largest muscle groups in our body, capable of the most strength. Right. Really. So the heaviest weights that you'll ever be able to lift in the gym will be with either a squat or a deadlift pattern. Usually deadlift, usually people can deadlift a lot more than they can squat, um, but that's not always the case. Especially when you're talking about upper, 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 upper limits of strength. But all that to say, if you're someone who's looking to um, find your strength potential, it it pays to squat. Right. If you're looking for muscle growth, it pays to squat not only for the muscle mass that you will get in your lower body, but also through the entirety of the rest of the body. Now, we might we might mix a little hard science with a little bro science here, but Um, you know, the traditions of, you know, bodybuilding and strength training tell us that a strong lower body and a big lower body, uh, can help translate to a bigger and stronger upper body Mm -hmm. that could be due to any number of things. But, um, you know, just the, uh, general like hormonal response, whether that's testosterone, whether that's growth hormone Mm -hmm. that, your body generates when you're working your lower body hard specifically with squats um, that can translate into muscle growth uh, for the rest of the body and I will say this anecdotally there's there's no hard measurements or science behind this but what I notice is coming from someone who's been doing nothing but upper body for six months Mm. I've noticed it just in the past couple months now that I've started doing more lower body exercising, now that I can walk again, my upper body has been blown up.
1: Yep. Well, same. I mean, I've been keeping up with lower body to the best of my abilities, but now that I'm like starting to do upper body stuff and I've been eating more, I get a pretty sick pump in the gym now. Yeah. Being able,
0: and, and also being able to do both unabated, it's kind of yeah. nice. So there's something to that. Yeah. Granted, well, it, it's the body is one piece, right? You know, if you want to be a stronger, faster athlete,
1: you have you don't I mean you don't have to squat, but you probably ought to squat. Yeah. More like more mass in your lower body means that you can sprint faster, jump higher. If you're a football player, push against other players harder. Yeah. Um, for most of us people that don't play sports anymore, just the, if physique goals. Well, and here's the thing too, is it's not just like the hormonal cascade that happens from like heavy lower body training, but also that increased muscle mass is costly. So it's easier to burn calories and maybe change body composition if you're doing a lot of heavier, or not heavier, but heavier and volume lower body work. That increased muscle mass and size and strength helps burn calories and, you know, burn fat. So if you're trying to recomp and you're skipping leg day, a little harder to Bad do. Bad form. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then you know, again, if most people that we work with just want to look good, feel good, and who doesn't like a good butt? Who's like, I really like flat butts. So, you know, the point I'm trying to bring up is beyond daily living, and beyond athletic prowess. If you're trying to build strength and mass, burn calories, burn fat, recomp, look good at the beach in your bathing suit. Lower body strength work, like squats and deadlifts, are imperative for that. Yep. Yep. So, it doesn't really matter. And here's the thing. is that, that It crosses... It checks all those boxes. Like, now my 80-year-old client's never going to squat body weight at this age. And that's not the point. But, right. like... Yep. Just Now that he's getting stronger in squats should mean that going up and down... That was the other thing. He's going up and down stairs. He was having difficulty. So... It, well, that was more of a balance thing, so we work on some balance required squat variations. But yeah, so you can get out of a chair, go up and down steps, and have less difficulty and be a little bit more balanced. Yeah, we squat. Mm-hmm. Now, I modify, you know, I'm not throwing a safety bar on his back. Here you go, William. <clears throat> but yeah, so it checks all those boxes. It's activities yeah. of daily, daily living. If you play a sport, doesn't really matter what sport, because you're going to use your lower body for... Unless you're an e-gamer. I can't think of it. What are, what are most sports that your clients play? Mine's like tennis, golf, cycling. Cycling. Those are... I feel like there's another one, but it doesn't matter. Point is, all these recreational sports or uh, bowling. I've got a client who is a mm. really good bowler. The fact that he can stabilize on one leg in sort of mm. a split stance when he goes to release the ball. And he's told me because he's lighter, he's lost some weight, and he's so much stronger, he bowls so much better. Yep. Yeah. So having a strong lower body base of support allows you to do a whole lot of stuff much better. And you also look good, feel good, can perform. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. really matter what the goal is, you'll achieve it.
0: Right. Yeah, I would venture to say, you know... If you had to, if you had to limit yourself to one exercise for, like, longevity, and to cover as many, to tick as many boxes as possible, I would say the squat family would, would be it.
1: I agree. You
0: know, just think about, if you want to get as strong as possible, probably pays the squat if, you know. If you wanted to maintain your mobility for as best you can as long as possible if you were limited to one exercise, it would probably be in the squat family. Now of course a lot of kettlebell nerds would say, Oh, the getup. Well, yes, and that's a whole nother conversation. But don't forget that really half of the getup is the lunge. And yeah. the lunge is a one legged leg squat. squat. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I imagine it would be very difficult to do a really heavy get-up if you have a weak-ass lower body. Right. Right. It's kind of part and parcel. Yeah. So, uh... Well, and I'll admit from my own experience, now that I'm starting to hold bars again, I don't have any issue My lower body, so I haven't been able to hold a bar because of my bicep tear. I haven't been able to hold a deadlift bar. But in the last couple of weeks, I've been re-exploring it, and the most weight I've been able to get is about 155 pounds, which is about 40% of my 30%, 40% of what I can do. And it feels like, on my lower body, it feels like nothing. Right. And I I don't think that's an accident because even though I tore my bicep, I was able to continue squatting with the safety bar over the last six months. Mm -hmm. So I was able to maintain my squat numbers, my strength, and my lower body mass. Even though I couldn't deadlift, I still could squat. I don't think it's any accident that as I'm reintroducing the deadlift, that I won't have any problems getting up there. It, the limitation will still be the arm. Sure. But my lower body is like I got this. I can handle this. No problem. I haven't hinged in mm-hmm. six months, and yet now that I'm starting to hinge again, my lower body is like no problem, fine. Yeah. And I think it, it goes back to we've talked about this in an earlier podcast. It goes back to like training while injured. If you train the unaffected limbs, the atrophy that you find in the affected limb is less. In other words, if you quit training right. altogether, you would atrophy. Your affected limb would very badly atrophy. But if you try to maintain some semblance of training while you're injured, your perceived or your, your actual atrophy is much less than it could be. I think that probably goes along with what we're talking about here as far as this cascade of hormonal uh, you know, um, uh, it flux that's going on with training. Just because I haven't been hinging doesn't mean that i would lost my ass and hamstrings. Right. Like, I still have some mass in my ass and hamstrings that are going to allow me to pick up some heavy shit. And I've only been squatting. Now, there's a little bit of a crossover, but I think it goes mostly back to the tension and strength training and activating all that muscle mass in my lower limbs that's maintained a lot of that mass and strength.
0: I was wondering when mass in the ass was going to get dropped on this podcast. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad you broke the ice there. Good. Yeah, and I would even venture to say if anybody cares or is curious, I I would kind of assume, I may have heard this before, I may be making this up, but I would think that a strong squat can maintain a strong deadlift, more so than vice versa. I would agree with that. In general, of course, you could say if someone has a super deep or low sumo deadlift, that obviously has more, you know, can translate more into like a back squat. We're talking about maybe in traditional powerlifting terms. Thank you. Thank you. Um, But yeah, if you kind of have to choose between the squat or the deadlift, I still think the squat gets the edge simply because of the... uh, longer and deeper range of motion that is inherent in a in a squat.
1: Right. I mean, you know, you and I would both agree if you can do both, do both and of explore strength and and mass and whatever in both of them, but um I like squatting better than deadlifting.
0: Personally. Sure. We can get to personal preferences later, but right. Um not to interrupt the flow here, but you know who's on the radio now. Um
1: Oh, I can see his face. Withers. I've been meaning to ask you because there's a bunch that I was going to quiz you on. For the audience that might hear this later, there were two St. Paul and the Broken Bones songs and two Amy Winehouse songs that I can think of that I actually
0: heard and was listening to while you were talking. Mm. So, Well, of course I bring up Bill Withers because...
1: Jesse Riley's gonna be in town because, Je- <laughs> because and we're gonna be diving in because <laughs> you and I and Jesse
0: Riley have have a funny inside joke with Bill Withers that let's say that story for when Jesse's around. Okay, we will. Yeah, yeah. All right, so back to squatting. You've probably heard us reference this inside joke more than a few times. Yeah. So for those of you who are following along, we'll have a we'll have a fun kind of Easter egg inside joke reveal here soon. But but yeah, so. The squat. So, let's maybe get into squats variations. So, how okay. do you how do you start training the squat? Let's say for a new client, depending on goals, we can talk about variations, different approaches. Where do we start? Where do we start with the squat?
1: I think the easiest one is the goblet squat. Well, one of two, depending on the client and their abilities and their. Um, Training age, either, I'll say one of three. Here's one, you'll understand the third one. The first one is a counterbalance squat where you take like a light plate, like a 10-pound plate, and you counterbalance it as you squat. I just
0: want to see what it looks like. Just holding out at arm's length.
1: Well, as you squat down, press it out, and then as you come up, I bring it in close because otherwise your front delts are going to be murdered. So I just have them either throw hands out. Throw hands. Either throw hands out or a 10-pound plate to counterbalance and see what their squat looks like, so there's that one. Yep. Then there's the goblet squat, like a light-loaded goblet squat. Now everybody listening right now is going to be like, why not an unloaded body weight squat?
0: That's and the what I'm
1: reason thinking. reason is ah, because I am so curious. we are going to load a squat at some point, so why wouldn't I just load it, A, and B, load changes mechanics. If you counterbalance, your squat looks different. If you goblet, your squat looks different. If you front squat, your squat looks a little bit different. If you back squat, it looks a little bit different. So depending on where load is manipulated around your center of mass, your squat might look a little bit different. So that's why I have three, I'll say like day one squat variations, the counterbalance, see what it looks like. Goblet squat, see what it looks like. So the difference being goblet squat, you have a light weight at your chest Typically, it'll be heavier. So if we were holding a 10 on that counterbalance, you have about a 20 or 25 on the goblet. Mm
2: -hmm. Just
1: because that's, I think, enough weight. 20 pounds is really nothing. Like, most people go about their day-to-day picking up something roughly 20 pounds, 15 to 20 pounds. So I don't think that's a good... Anything less than 20, I don't think is a good weight. Sure. 20-ish. Yep. Then the third one, and I have a reason for this, is a strip. I call it the stripper pole squat. Mm. Where you hang on to? Technically, this is the only unloaded. What sort one. of
0: clientele are you serving, Andy Van? My late night, Andy Van
1: clientele. Um, no, the the stripper pole squat
0: would be if you were. are going go, in for those four AM sessions. Going in for this, I, I couldn't help but notice after
1: hours, late night. So all, so basically, Catching
0: your clients after a long shift.
1: Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. start my day. Hey, that's a market. Yeah. I that's mean, a market. Those ladies probably lift. That's another discussion. Depends okay. on what club you're going to. Stripper pole. <laughs> oh, man. I have a story for off-air. I've never been to it, but I've seen it from the interstate. There's a strip club, like, somewhere on the Tennessee-Alabama line. Oh, boy. The only reason I've seen it is when I went to Alabama to go to a UT game. But, okay, that's a different story. I'll tell you off-air. So, anyway, stripper pole squat is hanging on to a very sturdy something, like the like a, a squat rack. Or there's a pole in my new gym space. It's a fat pole. So I have a pole. Hang on to something stable, sturdy, and doing a squat. It could be a horizontal bar, like, like a railing. It could be that too. But something that's stable, hang on to it, mm. and squat. Okay. Do, you know, do you know why? Objective like venture, a guess.
0: Well, okay. I'm sure there's a deeper reason, but I'm just thinking it accomplishes the same thing as the counterbalance squat because you're holding on technically to a counter I'm barking up the wrong tree. I'm totally barking up the wrong tree. Um, no, do tell. you ever
1: worked with somebody who in your squatting and they have difficulty reaching depth? Of course. okay, so why? This is, we're fixing the squat on this podcast. Fix my squat. Fix my squat. So if you're trying to squat, say Uh it's day one or day five, whatever, you're trying to squat and you're having difficulty. Now, let's have an aside for a second. For the purposes of this discussion, we'll say depth is roughly about like where your hips, where your your, um, femurs are parallel or your hips and your knees are about the same level. Sure. So that's what we would mean by depth. Now, whether or not we need to squat that low depends on the client and their goals, and that's maybe a discussion we'll come back to. But for the the purposes of this discussion, let's say we're trying to learn how to squat, air quotes, to depth, and depth is where your hips and your knees are about the same level. Yep. So why would I use the stripper pole squat?
0: Uh, Because you could hang on and Uh, you could, you could allow the hips to sink deeper under a passive, what you could call a passive stretch because you're not holding on to all of your own body weight. So what does that mean? It means you could get someone more comfortable and confident with a lower depth without load. Good. Good. What else could it mean? Oh. I feel like there's something obvious that I'm missing here. I probably... People yeah. can sit back. Uh, you have your... So I'm trying to think of what I'm missing. Do
1: you want a clue? Sure. It has to do with
0: mobility. Oh, you are able to stay more upright? Mm, does that not have anything to do with it? Oh, okay. Well, I, I give up.
1: So, when we're learning to squat, and we are trying to reach depth... If we try the counterbalance, we try a goblet squat, and you can't get to depth, what does that mean? Is it a mobility restriction? Could mean lots of things. Okay. So, I don't know. I'm testing, right? Mm -hmm. So, let's say I'm doing this, and you're having difficulty reaching depth with the counterbalance or the goblet. Now I give you something very stable. Because the counterbalance and the goblet squat are moving in free space. I mean you have two feet on the ground, so you're fairly stable, mm-hmm. but you're otherwise able to move three dimensionally, forward, backwards, side to side, whatever. If those two squats are difficult or they have difficulty reaching depth, but then I test them on a stripper pole squat and they're able to get their hips below their knees no problem, then I know it's not a mobility restriction that's causing their depth issue. It's something
0: else. Oh, okay. Does it make sense? Like, that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, cuz yeah. otherwise, that, our that makes industry sense. typically would look
1: at a goblet squat. The go oh, you can't reach depth, we need to mobilize those hips. So there's something jamming up those hips. Right. What I'm testing is whether or not there's a mobility restriction or if it's just either comfort with the squat variation cuz yeah. when you're hanging yeah, on to yeah, something yeah. stable, you're more comfortable. And if that's the case, okay. if you're able to hit depth so under more stable conditions, it's not a mobility issue. It's either a confidence issue, like you're in your head about it, or a stability, like a core strength, core stability issue.
2: Yeah. In which
1: case, global strength training will likely clean up their squat. I don't need to hammer their hips with this or that mobility drill. I just need to find a variation that's going to let them feel comfortable getting there. Yeah. So that's why I do that test, especially if the first two don't look as... I think, honestly, for most people who are brand new to strength training, it's really just a comfort thing. It's an awkward exercise. But again, this is a test to see what they can do if they don't pass the arbitrary depth test. Lots of air quotes here. They don't pass my arbitrary depth test. I'll just have them do a stripper pole squat. If they're very comfortable, comfortable going to depth that way, then I know there's no mobility restriction. It's really just either confidence or core stability thing, and we can work on that.
0: Sure, sure. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, in in my go-to curriculum, if you would call that like a mobility clearing test, like sure. you say, my version of that is an all-fours rock. Yeah.
1: I thought you would get it, because I was thinking that you would think of an all-fours rock.
0: I was not thinking of it. Yeah. No, I was thinking, which... Again, we might be splitting hairs here, but I like I like being able to hold on to something and squat down because um, I was just thinking, especially for myself, with having mobility restrictions on my ankle, is being able to stay more upright. Which I guess if you're doing a counterbalance squat, you're able to stay more upright. Most same way. with a goblet squat; they're yeah.
1: all more upright squat variations. Yeah,
0: but yeah, yeah, no, that's good. So I think that. Um, and the all fours or the all sixes, two feet, two knees, two hands.
1: Oh. That adds oh, up to six. Okay. I was like, where are you coming up with two extra hands here? <laughs>
0: so, yeah. So, you could say all fours is really six point. Or, sure. Or the six point, six point. Six rock.
1: Well, it's the same thing. You're, it's a much more stable variation because now you have six points on a stable surface right. and if you can hit depth then we know that there's not a mobility restriction then it's something else
0: right so yeah so that that brings up another uh, kind of cool idea is this idea of working the squat pattern uh, the squat shape just in different ways so so there's the pole squat which you described there's the all fours rock back which I'm alluding to which For anybody who's not exactly sure, just imagine being on hands and knees on the ground and literally just rocking, so staying on your toes, so not collapsing your feet down. Right. Staying on your toes and just rocking your, oh boy, what are they doing over there? Rocking your butt down to your heels. Right. And that's essentially the squat motion, but being horizontal to the floor Mm -hmm. as opposed to vertical. Mm -hmm. So that's another way that a lot of folks will check for neutral spine in the squat, which is alluding to exactly what we're talking about here, like mobility. So like the butt wink idea. Typically, we would check for butt wink on that all fours posture and see how that translates or doesn't translate to a standing posture. So again, it's still... Butt forward, butt back towards the heels. The only thing you're changing is your orientation to uh, to gravity. Right. So, so.
1: Just putting people in a better, in a more optimal position to be successful. Right. And right. at the end of the day, that's, I think, any, any of my assessments, I get air quotes because I don't really, I don't like the idea of like a, an assessment other than let's see what you can do and what you like. Yeah. So that's my assessment. What do you like? What do you want to do? Let's see what you can do. Yep. Um, is you're just putting people in a position to be successful. Yep. And also
0: clearing a couple things. <clears throat> cool. So let's um, let's maybe talk uh, talk nitty gritty about stance, technique, etc. What are some of the technique posts? Uh, pillars if you will that you're looking for in a squat
1: I usually I take the Dan John approach I'm like just sit between your knees right but I don't know if I really like, I'm trying to think of the last time I had to like harp on technique Again, typically, what I do is I try to find people where they are, and and give them opportunity, like a more like for example, I have the wedges at the gym. So, going back to the mobility thing, some people will have issues hitting depth not because of their hips necessarily, but because of their ankles. And this is a very simple test that you could do right now while you're listening to this podcast. A very simple way of testing this is take a very narrow stance, toes forward, and try to do a squat. Like ask to. You know, hips parallel to knees And try to do a squat And see if you have difficulty getting there And then all you have to do is just take your feet a little wider Turn your toes out a little bit And retest and see what happens Now what we're doing effectively Is changing ankle positioning And allowing for more flexion flexion Dorsiflexion In the ankles Which allows people to sit a little bit deeper into their squat That's why when when I'm coaching a squat I'll watch a couple reps and I'll be like and I'll watch their heels. And the heels are a telltale sign for two reasons. The first is you'll often see people sort of corkscrew their heel. It'll, it'll sort of move around like it's trying to pivot. And people keep putting their foot back. And it will pivot right, right. and they'll put their foot back. I'm like, just leave your foot there.
0: Right.
1: So there's that. And then if their heel tries to come off the ground, it means, again, they're trying to sacrifice some mobility restriction somewhere. In order to hit depth, so I just meet them where they are. I've got my heel wedges, or you can take two like five pound plates and just slide them under people's feet and eliminate that mobility restriction in their ankle. <coughs> Almost universally, it cleans up everybody's squat. Yep. So that's why I have the heel wedges at the gym. Is I'll just watch what their feet are doing, and I'll be like, "Why don't you try a little bit wider? Try a little narrower? Toe out, toe in, like toe in a little bit, whatever." I don't. I am not a believer that everybody's squat will ever look the same as the next person is and I've, I've probably mentioned this on we've talked about my squatting on this podcast a number of times i tell my clients the same thing if you were to watch a squat session of mine you'll watch me move my feet quite a bit at least in the early phases like early warm-up sets you'll watch me shift my feet a little bit like i'll either go a little wider or i'll narrow and wide out well, I'll go whatever. I'll move my feet around to try to find what feels best, and then through warm-up sets, I'll settle in. Right. So I tell people, like especially people who are concerned about where their feet ought to be, I'm like, look, I don't care where they end up being. Just put them where it feels good. I don't care if your stagger stands. I don't care if one's kicked out at three o'clock. That's that'd be crazy. I don't care if one's kicked out at one o'clock and the other's at, I don't know, ten o'clock. Like, I don't give a shit. I don't I don't think they need to be, like, symmetrical. I don't think they need to be, like, front to back, like, vertically on the same plane. Same latitude, I suppose. So I'll just tell people, keep moving your feet until it feels good, and we'll see what we can do with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I was fishing for, was this idea of heel lift. Right. So, yeah, finding width and angle of turnout... Is all up for interpretation, depending on the individual. Um, and, you know, there's something to say about a, um, I don't know if you would call it a Hindu squat, where you're actually squatting on your toes, and, like, the knees travel way forward. I don't know if you've ever seen that particular I think I
1: just saw a video on Instagram.
0: Variation. Where
1: you Is it a balancing kind of thing? It's like an up body weight, unloaded. And you, like, literally squat and drive your knees forward and lean back?
0: Well, that would be like a... That would be like a... um, Maybe
1: I'm thinking of something else.
0: That would be like an exaggerated version of what I'm talking about. Okay. But, yeah, if you were just to squat down on your toes and letting your knees travel forward. Right. And, of course, thanks to knees over toes guy, deep knee flexion way over the toes is now very much in vogue.
1: Right. It used to be not. And I still get that question. Not as frequently as I once did. I don't know if you do, but people are like, shouldn't my knees not travel over my toes? I'm like, it's fine. Yeah. You're going to be fine.
0: Yeah. Which, just like anything else, it's a position, it's a range of motion that you need to train, you need to ease into. Right. But. Um, and
1: really, if you run into issues, it's more about load management than, right. more often than not, load management than, like, biomechanics. Right. I mean, they're, they're intertwined, but point being... Yeah. If you're having problems with your knees and your squats, and it's probably a load management issue more than anything else.
0: Yeah. I just think, you know, if you're going down to check your tire pressure, how do most people normally squat down? You squat down on your toes. Oh, yeah. Right? It's just like a...
1: That's the beauty of an unloaded squat, too, is you can kind of fuck around with...
0: Yeah, and your knees are way forward right. is, is, is the idea. You can be
1: on your toes. Your hips go way down. You can hunch over. You can get all the butt wink in the world.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Like, who cares? It's an unloaded squat
0: yeah so all that to say ankle mobility plays a big role so does your hip mobility and anatomy so you're alluding to having different angles of turnout some of that is certainly probably due to soft tissue restriction or mobility but also we've seen people's hip sockets are not symmetrical
1: what counter nutated? is that what that's called
0: something like that yeah um so your your ball and socket joint in your hips could be pointing in different, different directions, directions. Yeah. one side versus the other that's
1: that weird thing that we all assume that the human body should have some like symmetry to it and yet it isn't right there's very little symmetry yeah. so like who cares and also what would be the goal of a symmetrical squat like you don't get points for that they don't give out gold medals at the olympics for having a symmetrical squat
0: right Again, going back to something that we harp on a lot on this podcast, you have uh, trainers who bet their ego and their business on this whole idea of symmetry and correcting asymmetry and linking that back to uh, injury prevention. Well, That's another...
1: Here, this is another podcast, but the issue there is, is while they are well-intentioned, it is like fitness gatekeeping. That's why I don't even like the idea of like a, like a formalized assessment. I'm like, you're here and you want to work out. Let's figure out what you can do, what you like to do. And then let's, and what you need to do. And let's marry that. And I'm going to meet you where you are.
0: Yep. Yep. Again, not another plug for Lift a Palooza, but if you're a trainer out there, who's being seduced by a certain, I'm just going to be the, by a certain eight hundred and ninety-nine dollar uh, yeah. s- seminar experience, I'm just gonna
1: be in the crowd and lift a palooza like. I'm gonna be like, let's talk about the squad. I'm gonna be like, who cares? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. But
0: no, absolutely. Uh, so all all this to say, um, yeah. So so getting the heels flat, whether that means elevating the heels, playing with stance is also key. And um, I would probably say one of my biggest not not to in any way detract from what you were saying about widening the stance in order to get in order to get deeper. I think I think that's I think that's important. I also think it's important. I think this this is maybe being a little bit biased coming from like a more powerlifting oriented background. I think a lot of lifters squat too wide. Mm-hmm. Artificially too wide. I agree. And that was definitely the case with me. If you remember what yeah, I, if you saw what me. I posted um, in my Instagram, uh, a, a shot from my first uh, powerlifting competition, I have a wide, what you might call, like a west side barbell geared style squat. Mm. Now, on the frame of a 145 pound young man, that makes... Zero
1: sense. You don't have a belly, so you clear room for
0: so <laughs> not not only a one hundred and forty-five pound young man, but also one that can do pistol squats on either leg. I had no business squatting that wide. I was just kind of mimicking a shape. So I have seen a lot of success with um, a lot of powerlifters actually narrowing their stance. So that comes with its own. You know kind of kind of different programming and technique approach but all this to say it pays to experiment
2: yeah
0: with with one's uh, stance because you never know obviously there's like anatomy that we can change and then there's also techniques that do change over the course of time if you have relative strengths and areas for improvement in different muscle groups all of these things can uh, can affect your squat technique which is also why if you have the skill and the mobility to do different squat variations, it pays to add a lot of novelty into your squat training. So front squats, back squats, mm. safety bar squats, goblet squats, kettlebell rack squats, sandbag squats.
1: Well, and really the only, for all intents and purposes, if you're not competing as a power lifter, in which case the back squat is an event, And you're not competing as an Olympic lifter, in which case being able to hold weight in a low, low front squat position, like the clean. And overhead. And overhead. um, It doesn't really matter which tool we pick. And I tell my clients this all the time. I'm like, I don't care what tool we use. We can go safety, goblet, barbell back, barbell front, double kettlebell rack, whatever. I don't give a shit. Let's find the one that allows us to comfortably get as low as we can and add load, at the end of the day, that's all that matters, is can we explore like good, healthy range of motion and continue to add load forever and ever and ever or reps or both? And who cares? Like, there's no rule that says you have to back squat or you have to front squat. And actually, almost universally, my clients prefer the safety over the barbell.
2: Hmm. Now, I've been
1: safety squatting for six straight months. I'm kind of over it. I want to go back to front and back squatting because I like it but
2: yeah. it doesn't really matter. The point is these are all
1: different tools and variations to explore and have fun with. Yeah, doesn't matter which one you pick. Just yeah. rock it.
0: So maybe let's uh, let's wrap up on some insider tips and tricks. And also for...
1: your favorite and least favorite spot variation. Oh,
0: okay. Mm. Cool. I like that. Um, so let's see. Some, some tips and tricks. Uh, you know, one thing is... Uh, When I am back squatting, Mm -hmm. I almost always warm up with front squats. You've probably noticed this with us training. I have. Usually my first squat of the day, no matter what the workout entails, is a front squat set. I like doing front squats first because they help me to get tighter in the abs Mm -hmm. and a front squat allows kind of a more upright posture and it's easier to stack your ribs over your hips. Right. I think. Um, Some of that like posterior
1: expansion or whatever.
2: Yeah. Right,
1: because you're having to shift weight back to get almost like you're trying
0: to get away from the weight in a weird way. Right, right. So I really like warming up with front squats or even with heavy front rack holds. Okay. Really just for the effect that it has on my core. And, you know, some of my favorite squat workouts entail doing, like, a heavy double or triple of a front squat, and then immediately doing 5 to 10 in a back squat.
1: Bro, I kind of like that. I might steal that. Yeah. Now that I'm, like, exploring front and back again.
0: Yeah. So, like, in our workout last weekend, granted, I'm still, I'm still working on my squat because, if you haven't heard by now, I shattered my right leg six months ago. <laughs> So I'm, I'm just now getting back into it. But what we were doing, um, I was basically doing five or six front squats and then five or six back squats. Right. And um, the tendency tends to be, for a lot of people and for myself especially, when you're, when you're so back squat dominant and that's like the only thing that you're practicing or the only thing that you're training, you can really stick your tailbone way out and you can start getting a little too extended in your back. Mm. And you can start losing the core just because like your, you know, your hips are dumping and your belly is sticking out. So that's kind of just a a general tip that I like to throw out for all my clients and anybody who's curious on squat training. If you are adept at both front and back squats is doing front squats as a warm up and in conjunction with your back, back squat work. Because you might find that the front squats remind you of just how tight and engaged your core can and should be.
1: Hmm. Also, like um, double kettlebell front rack,
2: for oh, the same reason. Right. Yeah.
1: But also, um, for the abs part of it. Yeah. I tell people all the time. I like. They're like, "What's your favorite ab exercise?" I'm like, "Front squat." Right. I mean, that's that's a joke, but it's also not a joke. Yep. Anybody who's ever, like, dipped under a heavy front squat and done a few, like, eight reps, your abs are on fire. My favorite. Now, it's not flexion and, like, so whatever. But, like, favorite core, let will say core exercise. Favorite core exercise is heavy front squats. Yeah. Holy shit. It's hard for me now, like, when I think about core training, direct core training, to have anybody do anything that's lighter than a goblet, like a pretty like substantial goblet squat. Mm-hmm. Like, I like haul off presses and I like chops and stuff like that, but after a while, I'm like, just have this bag, this big sandbag, and see what you can do with it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. anyway. So, favorite and least favorite? Yes, you go first. My favorite squat is probably barbell front squat. <clears throat> Same? Yeah. My least favorite is probably. My least favorite... Okay, so my least favorite that I don't train... <laughs> okay. Zercher squat. I like zercher. My least favorite that I do train... Double kettlebell front ride. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's fair. I like the Zercher. I, I can't... My bicep certainly would... Hate that right
0: now. I was gonna say so you gonna would pop. You would pop the rest of that tendon. Right, so I'm not doing off. that for a while.
1: But the zercher, for anybody who's listening, zercher squat. You're actually cradling the bar in your forearms, or like in the groove between your bicep and your forearm. Now I always, when I train it or if I coach it, I always put that pad on there. Sure. People who don't, I'm like, do you hate your bicep tendon? Now maybe because I have like pretty like you can like pluck my bicep tendon. So maybe that's why I don't like doing it, but I'm like, why? Just put the pad there, bro. Yeah. Like you don't get toughness points. Yeah. Okay, so my favorite front. I don't know why, it's like really like front squats. I've been training back squats a lot more over the last few years, but I'm preferential to front squats. I don't know what it is. I think it's the abs part. I can clean grip and it feels pretty good. And I can hit depth because it's a more upright squat. So it just agrees with me pretty well. That's one of my favorite squat variations. My least favorite that I – I don't know if there's one I don't train. I'm trying to think. It's been a while. With my arm, it's been hard, so whatever. Um, My my least favorite that I do train, though, is uh, Bulgarian split squat. Okay. Um, I've been doing more front foot elevated split squats, and those Mm -hmm. are also awful in a different way. Uh, But Bulgarian split squats are probably – I'm pretty good at them, too, and that's the irony. It's like, I actually am really good at it, but anyway, Bulgarian split squats just kick my ass, Yeah, literally and figuratively.
0: Yeah. I just recently started incorporating Smith machine Bulgarians into my workout. How? Uh, so... You rack in the bar? Smith rack in the back squat position. Okay. And rear foot elevated as per usual. Okay. So you don't have to worry about the balance component right. essentially.
1: That's why I like the hack squat at gym 5.
0: Yes. To be fair, I was a little skeptical as well as the uh, with the Smith rack Bulgarian. Um, but it it works out. You ever done a Hatfield? Is that pins up?
1: You hang on to the rack.
0: Oh. You know what? You have to have a safety. I have it. a client who has. I personally have not.
1: I've done it. I like it. So it's the same thing. We're going back to the stripper pole squat or like hanging under mm. a railing. A Hatfield squat is literally, you have to have the safety bar because it wraps around your neck. You have to have the safety bar, but you're literally hanging onto the squat rack, usually yep. by pins. So it's the same exact thing. Now, the difference is we've now added instead of just the two points of contact with the feet, Now we have four, kind of going back to the one on the floor, the four points, Mm -hmm. same thing, only this is moving vertically again where you've got four Mm. points of contact, a little bit more stability, kind of like your safety. It's a more stable version of the Bulgarian split squat. Name this one.
0: Is this the new... It's not new.
1: Um, it's re- for her. It's relatively new.
0: Oh, I was gonna guess Casey Musgraves.
1: Yeah, that was a good guess. Cause that's right. Velvet Elvis. Oh, is... Velvet Elvis. Yeah, oh, this
0: is off of uh, her last album.
1: Off air, we're gonna talk about how you know Casey Musgraves' music because uh, you listen
0: to ac most often. Dude, Casey Musgraves is a punk. She's great. She's she's a punk. She's yeah. a punk rocker. Uh, no, I know she just came out with a new album, so I wasn't sure if this was off the i had yeah. have to go look. But, yeah. yeah, she's great. No, we, saw like- her, we saw her Bridgestone. Hell yeah. Yeah, she's great.
1: She sang Golden Hour.
0: That's the name of the... Um,
1: and then finished it with Golden Shower at the end. Mm. Yeah, I was like, I kind of figured she would because she's kind of a punk. Exactly. In a good way. Exactly. Yeah.
0: She's, uh, yeah, she's a punk.
1: I loved her first album the most. I thought the writing was a lot more creative and a lot more like in your face. Mm-hmm. So if you if you haven't heard her first album, I don't remember the name of it, but I liked her first album the best.
2: Mm.
1: So anyway, all right, well cool. well, We fixed your squat today, and we introduced you to some Casey Musgraves and some Saint Paul and the Broken Bones and Sharon. Sharon Jones. Sharon Jones. So yeah. All right, I think I, I think I'm done talking about squats for today. I,
0: yeah, I think that I think that pretty well covers it. So uh, Dude. again, by the time that this episode comes out. Uh, Lift-A-Palooza will probably be happening or soon happening. So if you haven't gotten your tickets by now, um, you're probably just about out of luck.
1: Get on there.
0: Yeah. But, um, yeah, the squat is... Squat's an amazing exercise. And it, it might be one of my... You know, hey, if we're only breaking down the major movement patterns into s- squat, hinge, push and pull, um, I think the squat, for me, might take the number two spot.
1: What was the first one?
0: first one's got to be upper body push. Andy disagrees.
1: There's just, nothing wallops me like lower body workouts. I, I can throw, well, when I was fresh, I could throw around upper body work and like never really feel beat, but... A good lower body training session with some deadlifts and some squats and some lunges, split squat, whatever. Uh-uh, man. That wears me out.
0: The cicadas are telling us to wrap it up. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Well, hey. All that to say, um, we're, this is episode 36. 30- Six. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. So... If you've been following along and listening, thank you so much. Next episode is probably going to feature our old buddy Jesse Riley. hope so. So that'll be a fun one, Um, and we'll, we'll pontificate on our next guest after that. But if you have any squat questions, you know where to find us.
1: Slide in those DMs. Slide in those
0: DMs. And if you have a theme or a question for the next one, feel free to let us know. But until then, this is Andy and Zach, A to Z, no BS. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.